What is up, gamers? Welcome to another episode of Casual Master Quest. This is episode number 36. Welcome. Sweet. I'm your host for the episode, Nick, and this is Tyler. Tyler, how's it going? Hello. I'm doing great, man. How about you, though? I'm doing fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. I know. It, we're, we're all like uh, all hyped up on nitro and uh, sugar and stuff. Like we're doing okay. Oh, we're doing okay. It's an average week. It's, you know, it's been a week. It's been a week. Yeah, it has been a week. It has been seven days since we last recorded. It has been seven days. Nah, six days. Semantics. Okay, we're we're not going to discuss the the tragedy that was the re-recording of last week. No, yeah, it was it it happened and then we made it through. And uh despite despite our efforts of cutting out a section, it still ended up being about an hour and a half long. I don't know how we yeah, did it. I do believe uh the thing that we agreed on was oh, we should totally make this only an hour long so we can, you know, be respectful with each other. That did not happen at all. No, it didn't. Um, it was it was brutal. But uh how's your week been, bud? You know, it's been an interesting week. Uh I'm not too proud of, you know, talking about this kind of stuff in terms of mental health or whatnot, but uh, a recent string of events with myself over at work has kind of put me into a bit of a depression. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I was really down throughout most of this week. Uh, it was not pretty. I was like e- eating ice cream straight from the carton, all that stuff. Actually, that's normal. So, I, you know, it's really low key. And it's like sometimes I got to look in the mirror. I'm like, what is that in my eye? Is that? Is that depression? Oh no, I got the depression, and it gets you know it gets upsetting. It's like I didn't have visine ready. I didn't have any you know anything prepared for it. And honestly, fighting it back uh, can be a bit rough. You know, it's a lot of mental coaching, all that stuff. Got to find the the right vices, which is not to be you know alcohol and cigarettes, tempting right. as it is. You, you you know those routes sometimes. Some people just feel like uh that'll make me happy. In this case, uh, for me, it was a 28-ounce porterhouse steak, and turns out that was a hell of a cure. Maybe not uh, the end-all, be-all, but right now, after eating what felt like half a cow, I feel pretty good. Man, it was a very, very nice steak. Oh, yeah. Well, how do you get your uh, steaks done? Uh, my steaks done? I prefer a nice oak with a, a good glaze, something that will really pierce the vampire's chest. Right. But right. Uh, in terms in terms of my steak, though... Uh, there's got to be red, right? There has to be red in the steak. Or at least pink? You know, At least some pink, yeah. Yeah, at least some pink. I'm the kind of guy that, you know, if, if you say the any, like, if there's the word well in your description of the steak, I get kind of like, oh, come on, what are you doing to yourself? You're just wasting a good cow. I am a medium rare kind of guy. Today I decided to get it rare, which uh, with that much steak, I probably should have gotten medium rare because, like, but that's over a pound and a half of uh, moo right there. That's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's a lot of blood and juice. It was it was good. I, I think my tummy was like, "What are you doing, man? Did you score a kill in the <laughs> wild? What happened? We're not used to eating this much. Oh man, you found a sweet potato too on your way back. It was good though. I had a very good enjoyment. It's good to start. I think uh, everything's going back on the right track. I just need to you know keep a cool head about everything. But what about you, Nick? How's your weekend been like? Um, my, my week, weekend's been, it's been all right. Um, I your week, I suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, my, my mood's been off, uh, very much this week. And I, I, there's no reason why, uh, just, I've just been upset. Um, and I'm not talking about like, uh, like I feel bad, kind of like crying, kind of upset. No, I've been like pissed. Uh, like just anything will just kind of set me off any kind of minor annoyance uh part of that i feel like is due to the shitty drivers i faced this week uh two in particular stand out um one of them was in the parking lot for my campus 
Um, now imagine this. You know, you're going down like a like, like a little grid. You're looking for parking in a, like a big parking lot, and I'm on. Uh, there's there's a a, a turn. It's causing like a like a T junction right in front of me. Okay. Right? There's cars all around me, all parked, and I'm on the right side of the lane where I should be. You know, taking my time, looking around for a spot, and then uh, a, a motherfucker in a smart car. Tyler, do you know how big a smart car is? Uh, it's about the size of an overlarge uh, Tonka truck. Yes. Yeah. So a smart car comes out of this T this perpendicular lane and takes the right turn into into me, but takes two whole lanes to take that right turn and almost smacks right into me. How is that even possible? I don't. Even think I don't know how that's possible with a smart car. Like, right the center line. I see. I wouldn't be upset if it was like a, if it was a F1 truck because I understand they're big. Uh, it's a, these are little tight parking, uh, you know, parking lot lanes. So I understand if maybe I had to slow down or they just didn't, whatever. Because I have a small two door hatchback. This is a smart car, smaller than my car, and that really upset me. And then there was another uh, driver as I was on my way to uh, school. I was about three signals away. Um, they were all green. Uh, there was a guy in front of me who slowed down at the green light, like slowed down all the way till about five or ten. Um, and that annoyed me because there was still, I believe, like 12 seconds left on the crossing. Uh, so they, they could have gone. There was no reason for them to slow down. I'm like, you know what? Maybe they're confused. Maybe they're lost. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. It, it's annoying, but it's fine. <laughs> I have a then, hunch right here that this story might deteriorate even a little bit further here to where your, your, your kindness and second chance here is about to go down the drain. Let's continue. And then they, and then they do it again. And yeah. then I can see the motherfucker laughing in his mirror, in his side view mirror, as I'm fucking honking my heart out. Because, uh, my, I, I had to get to class. I was late for class too, and this guy was just slowing down for the fun of it. And I'm like, I don't understand the kind of like joy you get out of like fucking with people. I, I, on, I sincerely at that moment, I was wishing that his his grandmother stepped on a Lego and fell and broke her hip or something because fuck that guy. Wow, that's uh, a lot more vicious than I would have ever gotten from you. But admittedly, I believe the last time you talked about a uh, when you were miseries with uh, traffic incidents, uh, you were also very, uh, I wouldn't go as far as say uh, toxic, but just pure malice. Just I, I don't understand these people. A lot of these people should not be driving. I believe that people who drive like that should be euthanized. So, no, 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 no. That's the wrong word. It should be neutered. That's the word that I was looking for. Uh, okay, Dick. Yeah. Dick. I, sh I should never be in charge of any kind of country whatsoever. So it's interesting here because uh, <laughs> Mick had recently t asked me to uh, try to find like minute long clips to put onto a Instagram. Just, you know, good moments of the show. Yeah. It's like, good old <laughs> Nick, Nick with the hot takes. But damn, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, oh, yeah, Doctor uh, That's uh, that. That's a little bit harsh. No, like no, I I I dislike certain kinds of drivers, and it just upsets me. And I have to learn how to let that a lot of that anger go, because I don't actually do anything. It's just it just because I I am not a I'm not a physically violent person. Um, I'm not a verbally abusive person. I'll rarely I'll, I'll rarely ever go out of my way to verbally abuse somebody specifically. Okay. Yes. Like, and so I I get it out by saying shit like this, mm. but I have to figure out another way to get it out because otherwise it's not healthy if it like it just keeps upsetting my mood throughout the week, you know. I did mention this before that it feels like talking on the podcast almost feels cathartic. It does bring out uh, stronger emotions that we otherwise would suppress. 
until you know the one day that they run out of stamps at the post office and then it's like okay gloves are coming off we need to let everything out right here and now and this federal worker needs to know right here yeah yeah it's really cathartic uh when it comes to this week with all the weather that i've been receiving over here in good old michigan uh drivers reacted differently uh some people are seasoned pros and all that stuff they know how they handle snow they know how to be cautious but also smart and efficient and safe at the same time you know uh, some people know you know two tracks but they know it's been salted recently or something like that they know what speed they can go and get away with some people are like we got to do five miles an hour all the way there and then there's some people like shit fuck this let's do 75 let's you know let's go <laughs> balls to the wall let's uh floor down this and they you know flip over yep there was a couple of rough times like uh i saw a uh semi truck apparently hit a uh, spot of black ice uh swung around did a 180 on the highway and then wrapped itself around the pillars that supported a bridge ooh, ooh. like just wrapped itself like it bent around this uh bridge pillar and uh the driver was okay in fact uh he well rather he survived oh. i'm not sure how okay he oh, is but God. yeah but you know that it was destructive it was vicious and there was a lot of times where we saw people shoot past us in the uh the passing lane that wasn't as well salted and stuff and then uh you know 10 15 miles down the road we see them you know sideways or you know spun out into the snow or whatnot and it stinks i was not driving mind you so i might have made a different decision but we couldn't even stop or pull over because if we did in those kind of conditions where are we going to pull over? Are we going to pull over into the shoulder that's completely iced over and go over ourselves? Because uh, we can't just stop in the only available lane that isn't going to offer like life or death situations. Right. And so, you know, different reasons. But I do understand how sometimes, uh, you know, be safe, drivers. You know, be smart about how you handle things because you're, you're holding multiple ton vehicles that can impact a lot of people's lives. And some people, uh, they kind of, you know, kid about and joke about it. Like, haha, I'm in a car. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, you could. You you know, you could kill somebody. And, and, you know, that's a bit brutal. But it's just, as a professional driver, that's the way I have to see things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not uh, to get all dark and gloom and doom over here. But I don't know for sure. But, like, these are, these are things that apply to everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a heavy start to the podcast. But uh, beyond that, Tyler, have this you been our now? gothic episode. <laughs> This is our emo episode. We're going backwards in time. Um, uh, dye my hair blue. <laughs> get the black lipstick, black nail polish out. Fucking hey, gold hey, balls hey, to the wall I, all I, the way. I left that in sophomore year in high school, okay? Well, it's time to pick it back up. Um, have you been riding Passenger a lot this week, Tyler? Yes, absolutely. I've spent so much time playing video games over in the Passenger side. Uh, you can always tell with how many games I played uh, or post about. Because on a day where I'm driving, I'll like, ah, I only got to play one or two games. And then uh, during the times where I'm usually a passenger, it's like, I've beaten so many games. What am I just right. doing with myself over here? Uh, in this case, man, I've uh, totally beaten the hell out of two very well-known games, at least to me. I'm not sure you know, if the whole world knows about them, but I, I, I'd like to think so. Uh, the first one, and this has been long due, is uh, Battleship Brigade. Now, Battleship okay. Brigade, oh, man. There was a point when I, when I first got it, when it first came out, I got a free copy of it for Steam. Played it, got all the way to, I would say, about two-thirds of the way with it. Was enjoying it, but I was playing it so much that I kind of felt burnt out. So I was like, ah, I'm going to take a little break. 
but then I accidentally took a a, a year long break. It was like whoops, right. and so I got back into it again on Steam. It's like man, I want to play this on the controller, and I technically can, but it just kind of feels weird. And so I thought about it long and hard over the past couple of weeks, and I decided that I got it free twice on uh, you know the computer. One through, I believe it was Twitch. Uh, one through a uh, a review copy from the company, and then uh, I decided I was actually going to pay for it, and I bought it for the Switch. And as it turns nice. out, I, Battle Chef Brigade on the Switch was a very great idea. It, it is perfect, it is smooth, it is just absolutely everything I could ask for out of the game. Now, I would like to think that most people know what Battle Chef Brigade is, right? I hope sure. so. Kind of yeah, I know, I know about Battleship Brigade. It's an action, game, dude. It, it, I mean, the main crux of the game, yeah, the main focus of where you actually you know, play when you get into Battleship Brigade, it is you know, it's a battle-like setting where you're trying to, you're getting fed uh, one of three elements. Uh, where the the judge is like, oh, I want a dish that has fire elements in it, and uh, you know, puyo puyo. Uh, when I say the words puyo puyo, people hopefully know that I'm talking about the you know the blob colored blocks that you toss together and whatnot. You're doing right. that with this, except you're going out and hunting monsters, you know, in this little backyard area of this uh, arena, killing them, taking their uh, meats and body parts and other goody goodies, tossing into a pantry, and then you're essentially playing a puyo puyo game where you're setting up your own pieces, which are pieces of the monsters you've destroyed. And so, in this case, uh, there's either going to be fire, water, or earth for uh, the Puyo Puyo pieces. You put them together. In this case, you want to get as much fire as possible while also getting the ingredient that they request as the main meal. Like They'll be like, I want dragon! And the person that does the voice acting for that character, oh man, I can't remember. I think his name is Common. That's C-A-M-I-N. He is fantastic as a voice actor. Bless him. And so trying to cook and uh, doing a battle sequence where you're trying to dodge monsters, attacks and whatnot, and then turning it into a puzzle set piece while trying to gather up a score and beat a clock and beat the other opponent. It is so good. It, it, it's almost intense. It, it like, I'm not good with the uh, clocks, Nick. Like, no, give me a, a give me a 10 minute clock with the two minute task. I, I will panic. But th <laughs> this puts on the heat, uh, all pun intended. And it's so nice. And so I, I finally beat the game. It wasn't as long as I was expecting it to be after, you know, I replayed it for the third time. But it was a good, fun game, Nick. How many hours game do you think up. you put into it on the Switch? I would say just a little bit around 10 hours at the most. Okay, and you were, like, going hard as fuck into playing the game, like, finishing yeah, up. Yeah, I was today. powering through it. Okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, I do believe I, it just came out recently. There is a new section uh, or uh, DLC of sorts. Uh, it was technically a Kickstarter thing by uh, Adult Swim. Mm -hmm. And uh, technically Adult Swim. Uh, I believe that is the publisher. But uh, the developers were putting out like, oh, if we get this amount, we'll uh, release uh, this character as a, a side thing. Uh, in this case, it was... Uh, Ziggy. Ziggy is one of the characters from the game who is a very witty and very hilarious uh, necromancer type character okay. who couldn't give two shits about the tournament that's going on, but he wanted to have fun with it. And everybody loved him. 
And they had a uh, DLC or a uh, Kickstarter goal back in the day that they're able to have him as an optional character to play on later. So I'm hoping to look into that and give that a shot because I feel like that's going to be even more fun and dialogue that I need. Mm -hmm. Because you could simply just cook. There's uh, daily cook-offs and fun that you could have that isn't campaign-based. So I'm looking to do that because I don't want to put it down and give up. But it's one of those games where it feels like you beat it and uh, you're done. And uh, that stinks because there's so much more to be had out of it. I feel like the replayability on that is real. Um, Battleship Brigade. Yeah, (laughs) Battleship Brigade. Are you okay there, Nick? Yeah, no, no, I'm okay. I was just looking... uh to make sure that everything's okay. So Battleship Brigade, you, you were talking to me about Destiny Child. Destiny Child, this yes. week. Yeah. Oh boy, I have uh, spoken like this weird, wide, uh, wise hentai sage that I was. Eh, not hentai, not hentai. Eki, Eki, Eki. It's family friendly of sorts, if you will. Right, sure. So uh, without any... The line between family friendly and uh, hentai with that game is, is very thin. By the way, it's, it's, it can barely yes. hold it just as thin as like just as you know, it's like the buttons just struggling, barely struggling to hold together <laughs> the blouses of those young women. So Destiny Child, not to be confused with Destiny Child, which is a popular girl band, I believe, back from the 90s or 2000s. Uh, I put in about 15 to 20 hours into it so far, and I still have not put a single penny into the game, which is very weird. For a gotcha game because it feels like by the five or six hour mark is when they try to hit you but uh i have not noticed any indication saying oh this is the point where i gotta do it i gotta start coughing up money otherwise i'm not gonna make any progress uh a good example for this is uh right now i'm using nine stamina per uh uh mission i guess you would say okay and i currently i believe i have a max stamina bar of 50 but as I told you before, Nick, uh, with all the bonuses I've been getting over time, just you did this. I'm like, oh, I guess I did. And then uh, you got this. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. And they, you know, they do this hundreds upon hundreds of times. I'm a little bit under 4000 stamina right now. So I could do a mission, I think, just over 400 times. And I'm I'd still be fine at this point. And it's like. I could play as much as I want to. You know, I can play until I just burn out. Uh, I would guess like another 15, 20 hours before I run out of stamina. But by that point, I think I would would have done so much in the time that I would have keep. I would still get more stamina to keep playing. I think have you I, um, hit a paywall. I haven't. No, that's that's the weird part. It's like okay, they tease you with the whole crystal thing. Crystal's obviously the premium thing. Right. Uh, right. You spend that, you get rerolled uh, ten. Uh, 10 childs uh which are you know, the name of the characters that will uh fight by on your behalf in this rpg uh wave-based game however every single time like after like an hour of playing they'll get like oh you did this you know you completed this task you completed this task and there's like five or six different task givers that will automatically like count shit for you and so i have no idea what's going on most of the time all of a sudden they'll tell me hey you won something good job here's 400 crystal here's uh 500 crystal wow good job here's a thousand crystal and it's like what am i do i do it i guess i spend this sure yeah yeah, yeah I'll, I'll i'll spend it and they just keep overloading me with all this cool shit. i have no idea why it's, it's <laughs> imagine being just a happy content puppy and all of a sudden everybody just keeps coming up with you with kibble and treats and all this stuff and it's like okay yeah sure do I should I sit? Should I, you know, shake? Nope. Just, just give me a treat. Okay, I'm a treat. 
treat, treat. And it's just, they're just overloading me. And at this point, hell, okay, you ready for this big one yesterday? Ready uh, for it. I have no idea why. I got a little email note thing, like in a little mail inbox. I averaged between like 5,000 to 6,000 gold, which you can use to upgrade or enhance items and weapons and stuff like that. Just out of the blue, I got a little letter in my inbox in game. It says, we're sorry for the uh, interruption that we gave you because I guess last night they had a uh, scheduled maintenance from one o'clock in the morning to two o'clock in the morning. And obviously I was sitting there playing like, oh, I guess I'll sit for an hour. Oh, no. Right, right. They gave me 25 million gold. <laughs> and so imagine just like somebody coming with a dump truck. It just dumps all these fucking pepperoni flavored kibbles just all over me. I'm like, I don't even know what to do with this cash. Is it good? I think I'm sh- I should be happy, right? I'm happy. I don't you know. It's just the embarrassment of riches with this game. And all right. I, like I said, I have not seen a single reason to spend a, you know, even a penny yet. Uh, the only thing that I've hit wall-wise was uh, I, I was playing so well and good that getting uh, campaign-wise into the next world, that's like, oh, you need to be level 25 to enter this world. I'm level 21. So it means, oh no, with my 4,000 stamina, I'm going to have to do missions and level up my characters to be even stronger. So by the time I hit 25, I'm going to have some OP motherfuckers ready to obliterate any foes in my way. And so technically it's like a pause threshold, which is really weird. But at the same time, it allows me to explore different things because I would estimate they have about 12 different things I can look at that isn't the campaign for this little fun adventure can do a pvp uh style devil rumble you can do a side campaign which they just introduced yesterday called uh a promise between two this game has introduced hatsune miku they did a fucking crossover with (laughs) the vocaloid hatsune miku it's like why because we fucking can this is the most ambitious crossover event of 2019 so far yeah it's up there yeah and yeah. so one of the you know the childs that you can summon now is fucking either snow miku who i believe is a support attacker or i think it's attacking uh healer uh, someone because healers usually either heal and then heal stronger uh, hatsune is a bit of a hybrid where you know they can do different and I, i'm not sure what actual miku like the vocalade looking motherfucker can actually do but it's pretty brutal i, I would love to have her on my team brutal and so it's just so weird and ambitious right now that I can't even help but you know say this is a great game. The only thing I can really trash talk about it is uh, the story is, eh, you know, it's okay. I, I just like seeing numbers go up. And also the way the main character looks in this game looks god awful, as I, I believe I said last. Yeah, week. we talked about that last week. Yeah, yeah. The, the dark version, the Colgate so uh my best friend brandon uh picked up this game yesterday he's uh played a few hours into it today when it comes to gotcha games uh getting like a five star character in this situation is a three percent chance mm-hmm. on a random given role and so you can imagine my shock when he you know told me you know on a second poll of uh doing you know the 10 times character uh gotcha role whatever the fuck you want to call it he got fucking hatsune miku three mm-hmm. percent chance Meanwhile, I've been playing for 15 to 20 hours, and I've seen diddly shit in regards to that direction. So, I'm a little salty. You well, that's RNG at its at its finest. 
at its fucking finest too there there is a campaign where if you do this and you do that you can automatically get it but i'm estimating between 10 to 15 hours of gameplay is required right, just right. to get that far and that's a hell of a jump that's a I, so good on him for getting that i've gotten enough uh good rng that i've been handed everything hand over fist just absurd amount it's like i said embarrassment of riches it's been a good time and honestly if uh anybody's looking for a game just to waste time on on your phone destiny child i think that's uh that's the yeah, game that's uh, a go-to yeah if you if you like the waifu battle simulator i think this is the next big game to play like uh fire emblem heroes uh step aside we got a new uh new child in town all right well you're to your first uh what else you've been working on uh i beat tomb raider shadow of the tomb raider i, I hey uh, all right what's the next I game <laughs> i don't know, what talking, you know. it's it's uh, done it's done what's your, what's, it, what's your final verdict how has it changed from the last time we talked about Shadow of the Tomb Raider? Uh, I didn't see as much of the glitchy or wonky gameplay as it did originally that broke the game pretty much. There was a couple of times with uh, moving around, especially on walls and whatnot, where I don't even think the game knows what it wanted at the time. It's like, I want to jump across and grab it. So, you know, I hold left, I press X to jump. It jumps, launches me to the right for some reason because the camera was like at the wrong angle or something right. like that. Right. And it was it took some frustrating times uh the final boss fight was a bit weird and uh, almost uh legendary compared to realistic but in comparison to the first uh tomb raider game where you're fighting off uh queen himiko i believe it was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's not completely out of the way it, it, it was just weird because i beat it i won uh a five minute credit scene and then boom you're done and it's like Oh, by the way, you can go back and do anything you want, her, her, her. But uh, that section is now locked out for good. So uh, enjoy the game. And it's like I will, I won't touch it. I'm good. Oh, I, I, I know the uh, publisher Enix, but who are the devs for? Uh, Crystal Dynamics. Crystal Dynamics. I want honestly, I'm curious as to what happened that dropped the quality of the game so much. I mean, it feels like uh, the first game obviously would have been the, the the big bang that got everybody's interest. And it just feels like it was a good, solid game that would have been just fine on itself. It wasn't for the fact that, you know, Square Enix loves money. So yeah, no, and the, it, and the second game wasn't like, I feel like the second game, it didn't really do much to improve like uh, mechanics or gameplay wise on its uh, predecessor on the first one. But it just maintained the kind of like story intensity, you know, new areas, explore the tombs and stuff. So it, like, I feel like it did okay there. And it still remained like, like the first game would have been a, I'd give it a seven, seven and a half out of 10. I feel like the second game kept it at a solid seven. And then it just tanked with the, uh, you know, rise of the Tomb Raider. I, I totally understand, man. I, I think they wanted to modernize, or modernize it in a way that people felt like it was keeping up with itself with a progressive age versus the ye old Tomb Raider with uh, pyramid boobies and all that stuff, which they did offer the uh, chance to play as that if you wanted to in this game. That was interesting. Right. Uh, so if you want to you know, play in uh, 64. Mm, I, I think that was a pre-order. Uh, you got the skin. But no, my, my question was more aimed at like what what happened with the development process that caused it to be so janky story was not as uh, not as good um that's that's just what i'm curious about i'm just curious as to what happened internally within between either the publishers or within the the dev teams for for all of that to happen because they did just fine on the first two games that is true uh tomb raider the the one that we're talking about the first one came out on uh march 5th 
2013. Uh, the second time uh, Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider in this case, uh, case came out, it was November 10th, 2015. So they had two years, a little bit over two and a half years to develop on this game. At the same time, they had two other games that they were putting out alongside this uh, over the next couple of years, which includes Laura Croft and the Temple of Osiris, not the uh, Curse of Osiris, you know, mm-hmm. be mistaken or anything like that. And then Lara Croft Relic Run, which is an endless runner for the Windows phone, of all things, as well as the iOS and Android later on. So I'm not sure what games they had to focus on between uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider and Shadow of the Tomb Raider. But they I had... feel like I would have focused on Shadow of the Tomb Raider. You would think so. Yeah. But uh, in this case, from Tomb Raider to Rise of the Tomb Raider, they during these two and a half years, which is a good short time to develop a full-on game like this, they had to focus on two other games at the same time. Now, this isn't a big company that you know works under Square Enix. So doing that again, having another two and a half years while probably having to uh, outsource a lot of the, the work here or outsourcing themselves even for work under Square Enix... It just feels like uh, they didn't have enough time to really put stuff together as much as they wanted to. Now they did. I would say they got a good 85% of uh, the experience there. But the last 15% that would give it the authentic Tomb Raider game that we'd know and love, it just didn't get there. It was probably locked away in some kind of DLC tomb or something like that that we just didn't hmm. get the chance to see. But that's just a personal opinion on that. No. Uh, I'm not well, sure if... It sounds like a publisher setting unrealistic expectations from a developer and then fucking over again. Is that allowed? Up, that's Is never that happened. Permissible? That's never no. happened. Impossible. Um, uh, that being said, there is another game on your list. Yes. So humor me this. After playing and beating yet another game on my Nintendo Switch, uh, I realized that I kind of had an aching for another game, an old friend. Uh, oh, I am. I wonder about it a little bit. When, uh, what are we? What game are we talking about? So I didn't realize this until I opened it up, but it has been over a year since I touched the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Okay. And so I was like, "Well, hell, I you know I could play up to you know three or so hours per day, you know, in the truck if I really wanted to. That's not much in the way of things with Breath of the Wild, but you know I could totally start over." And so I made it a new account on my Switch because, like, how if I was going to delete all my progress the second no, time? No, you don't want to do that. Thing. It's like it was either I increased the clock that shows how many hours I put into Breath of the Wild so far just to impress somebody, which there's nobody out there. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> or I can, you know, make a, a guest account and just play on that. And so I tried playing, and then I realized that the road was so bumpy. And I wanted to put headphones in, but I couldn't at the time because I needed to listen to the person that was driving that I could not get the full-on experience I really, really would want out of Breath of the Wild. Like, to play it without audio or anything like that would be doing 100% injustice. Injustice? Injustice. There we go. That term. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, just for funsies, I tried, uh, I was like, do I even remember how to play? So, you know, I uh, hop into my main game, drove around on uh, a motorcycle for about 10-15 minutes, killed the Lionel, and was like, okay, I want to put this in my TV. I really want to play it. And so, I only, you know, I only played, I would say, about 20 to 30 minutes at the most, but it's something to, you know, get the old flame back going. It's like, Breath of the Wild, it's still a game, yeah. and it's still a great game. I miss it. What about you, Nick? I, I've been rambling on for a good long minute over here. What have you been playing, my friend? Not much. I, I want to say that Not I maybe, okay, so. maybe uh, put about six hours into gaming since we last spoke, since we last recorded. 
Oh it's been no! A, it's been a very slow week. Um, I played a little oh, bit Nick, of. We can't have that. Most of that was Monster Hunter World. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm slowly going back. I'm not going back into it, but I'm slowly uh, chipping away at the the monstrosity that is Monster Hunter World. Monstrosity in the sense of talking about its size. It's just an immense game, and there's so much to do, so many different kind of playstyles, and I'm truly enjoying ha- uh, like uh, the grind for. Uh, optimizing builds and defeating monsters and learning how mm. the weapon systems. <laughs> that uh, yeah, so I got like I got I got access to a new area and there's uh, one section that's filled with the gas that damages you the longer you stay in it. And so now I know that there's a new armor set that's available to me that requires me to go farm these kinds of bugs to build that armor set that nullifies the effects of the gas and just stuff like really? that I, I i like that so i'm like all right now time to farm these uh, these bugs pick up some of these shells forge like this bug armor and then go and fuck some be- uh, some monsters that reminds me a lot of muspenheim from uh the new god of war game there's a section where you wanted to clear a bunch of enemies to get points and you're in this uh death eating fog or a life eating fog that you would have to mm-hmm. slowly you know try to and eventually you would collect the tokens from these monsters you'd be able to build armor to uh, help nullify that and it's so satisfying once you get that armor and you go into the fog you're like touch me now motherfuckers yeah, yeah. especially when it, it, especially when it wasn't uh given to you like you've like done something to actually uh, earn you it you had bust your ass yeah. for it that was a yeah, good yeah. for it um and then i played a little bit of destiny 2 obviously uh you stopped by my stream yeah. earlier this week yeah i know shocker but i, I was just playing with it's some destiny bugs. 2 guys never heard of it um, but I have been watching something that I think you'd uh, appreciate. I've been watching oh. uh, two streamers do uh, randomized uh, runs of The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Oh, man, that's a good uh, one. I've never heard of that one before. Uh, it's, it, are you new to the uh, randomizer Link to the Past runs? Very new. Oh, it's so good. And as I'm sure you're about to yeah. get into it, it, it. No, I mean, like, it was just really fun to see. And I, you know, I figured, like, when, when Cam used to talk about randomizers, it made sense in a Pokemon setting because it just ran- literally randomized everything. But here, these seeds randomize uh, the items that you get in to the progress through the gameplay um, in, in a logical order. So it, it uh, So there's no chance of you getting locked out of an area because... Or like you can't complete the game because there's just you can't get the item. And honestly, to me, that was that was pretty interesting. It's interesting for me because as a person who's played Link to the Past enough that I feel comfortable playing it and knowing what to do normally, it's also a completely different level when somebody's able to play it so comfortably that they know where every single chest is. And <laughs> when it comes to the randomizer, you got to hunt for every single chest in the overworld mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So it just leads to this completely wild, like if you can't find where the fire rod is because it's in a, a, a blown hole in the wall somewhere in this section of the world, you're completely screwed. Yep, yep. And so having that level of knowledge that you need to know to play the randomizer for link to the past it's it's beyond me man it, it is mind-boggling and i love it you know watching people do it like magically at this point that being said um now and i feel like there's a little bit of so- of a sore spot between the two of us when it comes to like zelda of any kind uh you know i still haven't picked up breath of the wild again to play it and i feel like a part of that is why you picked up breath of the wild this week and you're like you know what fuck nick i'm gonna play breath of the wild and enjoy it on my own um 
I mean, there might be a, a tinge of that. I mean, as I described <laughs> in the pre-show about, you know, my weather versus your weather kind of thing, I get a little bitterness, uh, whether it's your, you know, by your attention or not. Yeah, I, I felt like, well, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't recommend uh, Breath of the Wild Game of the Year for 2017 to Nick. Uh, maybe I should try it for myself <laughs> just to remind myself, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't that great of a game. And then I played, you know, 20 minutes and I realized, uh, the fuck you doing, Nick? I, I want to play A Link to the Past. Oh, now you want to play fucking Link to the Past. You want to play Listen, Link to the Past? Listen, I didn't fucking grow up on these games, so let me explore these games at my own pace. And oh, I really want to play Link to the Past. It looks uh, just like even a normal run. It really looks good. And looks really expansive for a game from 1991. It, it was, for sure, with its color palette, uh, one of the most colorful games for the... It looks, it looks beautiful. Uh, music is fantastic. But also, just how... Uh, uh, to, to the kind of depth that you can go to like finding the items, exploring powering up, you know, exploring the dungeons. It's mm -hmm. it's it's something else, dude. I, I Honestly, I was amazed watching people uh, like uh, the, these uh, two streamers play through it. It was it was fantastic. Um, but yeah, no, I that's do, I do want to bring out something from uh, coming over on my end of the chat box here. Uh, Brandon, uh, my best friend, would like to point out that there is, in fact, uh, a Link to the Past and Super Metroid randomizer. I'm sure you remember talking about this before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, where uh, you would play both Link to the Past and Super Metroid to find randomized items for each separate of the game. So if you wanted the boomerang, uh, you could potentially have to go over to the Super Metroid game and find it over on Samus's end. It would get sent over to Link to the Past, and Link to the Past would find the items. It is crazy. So, like, so these streamers, uh, they're using that. a uh, extension that controls, uh, that allows chat to control uh, the randomizer or like what Ooh. happens within the game. And so I didn't Ooh. actually catch those runs, but basically chat could either make or break the game for you. And it was uh, two streamers, Professor Broman and King Italian, that were going up against each other. They were just, it, it was a randomizer race, like a randomizer uh, run of uh, Link to the Past and it was a race between the two of them. And King Italian won because he is he is a, a huge Zelda fan himself. But uh, but no, it's fun. I, like, I, I truly enjoy watching it go through and it has a simplicity that is it it's it's a it's a very strange combination of sim simplistic elements to the gameplay but enough depth where that, that a lot of games are lacking currently yes and i agree and uh when it comes to link to the past as everybody and their mother should know it's my favorite game of all time so i can't you know if you say that you want to play it's like you know it, it brings a happy tear to my heart I mean, I, I got the the freaking tattoo of when he first gets the Master Sword in the game. I, it, it's beautiful. So, if you wanted to hypothetically play this, uh, what would your options be of uh, obtaining it? I feel like um, an emulator. Okay, uh, I I do believe it might have came come out for the 3DS. I could be mistaken on that. But if you were to say want to stream something like that, unfortunately, yeah, it, emulation. I'd have to, yeah. yeah. Uh. Oh man, I would love to watch you play Link to the Past. I feel like that would be a hundred percent in the game. I would, I if you were to start it right after the podcast, I would cancel everything and just start watching <laughs> you play. It. Like, it's a good I'll game. Get some popcorn, get some drinks. A lot of people when they stream it on uh, Twitch and all that stuff, they're they're popular speedrunners, so they just want to burn right through it. I just want to watch somebody play a nice, or the game, 
Yeah, I mean, especially for the first time, just imagine mm-hmm. that the frustration. You don't know what's going to happen in the next room. But meanwhile, there's a bunch of veterans that are like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to explore. He's going to be <laughs> like me when it's 1993. Or me, you know, like 1998, because it came out when I was a year old, I believe. I think right, I was right. eight months old when Link to the Past came out. Um, oh, it's such a good ass game. But yeah, that's uh, that's game yeah, that's so far. Uh, I should I should play. There's a lot I have to play. So we're gonna go into the uh, a little bit of news heavy this week, mainly because there's a lot of shit that's happened that we just can't ignore. I think we have to talk about them. A lot um, of things have come to our attention that, as Nick says, uh, we we can't just leave it to the wayside. Topical or no, not? No. Um, so starting off, we're gonna go in order of lightest to heaviest. Or least fucked up to most fucked up because oh boy I don't even know which way this goes at this point. Uh, go ahead, Nick, take it away. Which one are we looking at? Uh, we're gonna start with uh, the Machinima article. Are you okay? Were you ever a big Machinima fan? Uh, there was a lot of videos that were made by uh, the various creators that were for Machinima that I would really enjoy watching. You know, usually skits or just popular information that would come in right. on it. But overall, it's like I I didn't live or die by it. I was more of a rooster teeth kind of guy. But that that's perfectly fine. Machinima has been there since the beginning. It's kind of like the the grandfather of video game you know entertainment of sorts. Were they were they the ones responsible for or at least sponsoring the studio that made Red versus Blue? Uh, rooster Teeth is the company that's uh, in charge of that. I'm not sure if okay. Rooster okay. Teeth and uh, has any connections with Machinima, but there's a good pop uh, possibility. So, just reading through this article, uh, just so everybody's clear. Um, this is an article that comes from The Verge, uh, written by Julia Alexander. Uh, Machinima went dark uh, as of um, very recently. <laughs> as of maybe like a day ago. Just yes. all the all, all the uh, episodes, everything was deleted. Because they were bought out by a different company. They were bought out by a company called uh, Fullscreen. Fullscreen Media. And, um, yeah, we're not really sure what's going on because a lot of the people who were working under uh, Machinima were basically let go without any warning. And a lot of people have not been paid. It's, a lot of people uh, have gone into the dark uh, in regards to this. Uh, one of the people that is one of the creators for Machinima reported having to contact several different venues to see whether or not they lost their position or, you know, their paycheck way of life uh, with, you know, Machinima. Uh, after it's been transferred over to full screen and one of the reporters or uh, the people that they contacted said no you're still working for Machemna just wait a minute uh, as everything gets transferred over to full screen and full screen's like hey guys we don't have anything to say but the next few months are going to be awesome and it's like okay what about your technical employees at this point Uh, it feels like you're missing a lot of information that should have gone to everybody very well in advance like maybe there might not be employees but at the very least they're considered contractors so what the hell happened here it sounds like uh people wanted money to exchange hands as quickly as possible before uh they realized that there might be some value loss over the situation and the value being you know human people that are trying to 
make a lifestyle out of this. It's uh, based on the article, from what I understand, uh, with the way YouTube does its mon monetization, um, or at least what's happening in this case, because all of these different creators, uh, or as Tyler put it, contractors were under Machinima, it was easier, uh, and Machinima has been doing this for, for forever, uh, they already had a contractor deal of sorts with YouTube, so everything was already pretty much monetized, so it was a simple uh, thing of just giving uh, payouts to the people who were making videos for them. Uh, but now that a lot of these people might have to or already have gone solo making their own YouTube channels, um, it takes a while for the monetization to kick up again. And for people who depend on this kind of income, it's it's completely disrupted their lives because monetization can take uh, anywhere from a couple of hours, depending on how much uh, pull you have, to a couple of weeks. And so, yeah, 2019 starting off with some real scummy, scummy practices very very shady at the very least uh there is no mention as to how much the sale of machemina to full screen got whoever actually owned it originally which i'm not sure if it even says here uh who owned machemina at this point because uh um, no. it does at some point i believe or i could have been wrong when i was reading through it but i mean at this point does it really matter no, I just want to name that person as a scumbag right now, but that's just a oh, okay. No, okay, no, they, they list a company, but they didn't uh, list a particular name. Yeah, uh, so somebody at Mashimna uh, forgot to contact the you know, the dozens to hundreds of people that you know like to create for this company for a buck and uh, just kind of swept the rug right under them. Fantastic, good job. Yeah, and uh, to add in a comment from my end of the chat, uh, my one of my really good friends, also Brandon, uh, says. Sounds like life, uh, which is which is a sad reality for a lot of people in a lot of different situations. If that is life to where you can't do your job without any kind of job security, the idea of thinking that you are doing perfectly fine and then just being told you have nothing with us anymore, like just over something that isn't their their own fault. Yeah, it, no, no, it's really shit. It was good enough that uh, the person in charge of it wanted to make even more money by giving up responsibility and just kind of, it was a big failure of communication all around. So I'm sorry for the uh, the creators for Mashimina. Uh, I hope you find a good solo background and uh, you're always welcome to reach out. Um, now, now continuing the trend of uh, shady slash scummy. Do you, know, do you know who else has been up to some shit, Tyler? Uh, I mean... Is it in your top five least favorite uh, publishers? Uh, do you want to do you want do you want to guess who's number one in that position? Always perpetually. Oh, I let's let's see let's see. Uh, I believe we said Ubisoft was number five. Uh, number number four was Bethesda. No, I think it might have been Square Enix. And then number three was Bethesda. Number two was mm, mm, mm. Hmm. guessing Activision. But then that leaves number yeah. one. Who could it? Who could it possibly be? Who could it be? This comeback um, publisher mystery. Uh, does, it, does it start with an E and with A? No, I, well, technically yes, but also no. It starts <laughs> with an E and ends with an S. If you oh, really think okay. about it, if you really think about yeah, it, oh, if you really tap or had meme like <laughs> enough, um, Electronic Arts has been up to some shit again. I also want to yes, say. In regards to my my distaste for uh, uh, Ubisoft, um, I've talked with a few people, with a few friends, and I I want to retract a majority of the bad things I've said about Ubisoft. Ubisoft Thank sticks you. out like a, store, a sore thumb in my mind, but I have to commend anybody 
uh, and they stick out like a sore thumb in my mind purely because of the kind of uh, shit that they did with Assassin's Creed before Assassin's Creed Origins, where they're like, "Oh shit, dudes, this is a this is a money maker. We're just gonna pump out games. Screw the quality. You know, we don't care about the uh, script or where the story is going. Nobody really knows anymore. Let's have all these buggy games out there. Doesn't matter. People are gonna pay us anyways." Um, so Assassin's Creed, the Assassin's Creed uh, line is always gonna uh, uh, franchise is always gonna stick out, but to see a uh, in this day and age, to see a publisher slash developer stick with games that didn't do so great, figure out what to make them, how to make them better, and then push through, is is commendable. Uh, they did yeah. that with Rainbow Six Siege, For Honor, and The Division. If there's one thing I want to give credit to Ubisoft for, and I didn't want to kind of say this to you because it sounded like you had a hot take of your own. I really do like uh, Ubisoft as a big publisher. Now, granted, they don't always make the best decisions, but in terms of the uh, big five we just listed there, they, to me, feel like the most emotionally connected to the player base, which sounds weird, I admit it. But if you can imagine situations like where they all step on stage during an E3 and they bow down saying, please take care of us as we'll try to take care of you because we're trying to fight off a takeover by Vivendi, they're reaching out to people emotionally. You can also remember the time a couple of years ago where Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle uh, came out where they announced uh, Ubisoft working with Nintendo to make a Mario based, uh, you know, uh, XCOM style game. Mm-hmm. And uh, the tears going down the, I believe it was the community manager's face, you know, being so happy that everybody had cheered him on because when people heard about Ubisoft teaming up with Nintendo like this, they, they got booed hard. They were scared. And the moment they you know, showed this trailer and all that, people lost their minds. They turned around on it 100%, and they're like, holy crap, Ubisoft made a good Rabbids game that people could enjoy. Because, let's be real, uh, Rabbids is like the de facto evil, horrifying version of... What the fuck is it called? Minions. Yep, <laughs> yep. And those things are bad enough, so it's like they have Rabbids in it too, but they somehow turned it around. They made it a thing, and it was yep. comical and enjoyable, so... I do feel like Ubisoft has a lot of good points uh, amongst the bad ones where it just feels like they keep stacking up for other publishers. Agreed. So. Everybody everybody makes mistakes. And so I'd like to rescind my statements about Ubisoft that I've, I've mentioned uh, on prior episodes. And they are no longer on my, on my scummy slash shitty developers uh, publishers list. Oh um, man, who goes so, up uh, the number five then? No, it's only gonna be four now. We're just gonna, we're just, gonna, yeah, because fuck all the other ones. Um, so com- coming back to EA, um, I've, I've been, I've been. Another side note: I've been looking at a lot of journal- journalism, uh, sp- uh, video game journalism. Uh, not a lot, but I've been going through a little bit more than I used journalism to. Journalism entrepreneur. Um, Jason Schreier from yeah, Kotaku. I, I I respect like he the work that he does is commendable. He he's constantly fighting to get information out, and every article that he's uh, at least in in the last few months, the articles that he's written have been very much um, unbiased and journalism as journalism is. I would like to counter that with uh, some of his tweeting uh, mechanisms around that because there's been a couple of times where he'll give the straight facts, but just at the right opportune moment in an article or in the tweet he'll give you know either a question or a thought that where people are like i got all this information i have emotion i don't know if i should be positive or negative and he'll go negative and all of a sudden everybody just tear shit down just because of that tiny little push uh the big That's example fair. was uh uh super smash brothers ultimate he uh he did uh you know talked about uh, how it was a good game he was like 
It's such a good, strong game, but gotta unlock all the characters. And all of a sudden, everybody just tore walls down against Nintendo and then towards him, and he's like, sorry, I, didn't, you know, I shouldn't have made fun of this. And it, it, he just got such kickback from that kind of stuff. But when it comes to giving the cold hard facts uh, over on Kotaku's side, yes, Jason Schreier has been just going at it. A huge problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is in regards to EA canceling uh, their open world Star Wars game. Um, so the, the game was in development by EA Vancouver um, and the reason for uh, the game's cancellation was that they're like, it, well, it's just too far out uh, to when we see... I'm very much paraphrasing and summarizing this article. But they're like, it's too far out uh, and we want to be able to uh, make more games in between. To me, that sounds like we don't care about the player base. We just want more money. So we're going to make more games rather than put out a really good game that'll cost us a year of income. Um, funny thing about that is uh, for them... Their, their sole reason being like, all right, we want to make more games is, is I'm just pulling up the visual here. Star Wars games over a six year period um, under LucasArts and collaboration with other companies between 2002 and 2008, there were uh, 17, uh, no, 18 Star Wars games. Hmm. Between 2013 and 2019 under EA, there were two Star Wars games, Battlefront and Battlefront 2. Yikes. Okay. And the latter of which, as we know, was was one hell of a shit show. Not because it was a bad game, but because of all the microtransaction pushed hard by EA. Um, yeah. So, uh, but but Tyler, what if I told you, despite all this news, I don't know if I don't think you're the the biggest Star Wars fan. Neither am I. But it just sucks to see a franchise carrying such cultural weight like this being treated like shit, regardless of whether you're a big fan or not. But what if I told you that there were no loss of jobs when they canceled this? This is probably one of the most respectable things that came out of this. This little highlight saying, we are, we're not here to cut jobs or anything like that. We just want to refocus to have money coming sooner. And it's like, well, they're, they weren't super scummy about it. They're just, you know, they changed the whole story, but they're not cutting out any of the authors. Like, that's good, I guess. We just have a lot of I, people. I guess it's just that what this sounds like to me is that we we have billions and billions of dollars we have all this capital and we want more so i don't really care about the players i just want to make more games to get more money regardless of what the quality is like and i want to push more at microtransactions instead of let's think about the consumer in the long run because that's going to be more beneficial to us as a company and also our image as a already like rocky image really shaky image as a company why don't we think about the consumer put out this really nice open world star wars game that we promised and we know that they're going to enjoy and let's do that because we have all this capital that's going to last us till then okay i just just for the record i want to clarify some numbers ea right now as of 2018 i know it's 2019 but it's been a month has a net value with revenue rolling around everywhere of uh 5.15 billion dollars which is quite a bit not way up there as much uh people would think you'd think that they would be up in the tens and twenties but they are fairly up there at the same time the moment i uh, saw this situation the whole article it was i'm not even sure if this is a word incendious it was incendiary to me because if you think about this this story trails all the way to the beginning to one of my favorite companies getting shut down visceral games mm-hmm. which i'm sure you know visceral games is in charge of dead space so you can imagine back in the day when I was told that Dead Space 4 was not going to happen because they were focused on a Star Wars. I'm like, fine, maybe after the Star Wars game. Then the company gets shut down completely. 
that hurts my soul right there because I don't know what that even means at that point. And then it gets over to Vancouver. Vancouver, you know, has been trying to work hard on it, but then that's gotten, you know, screwed over just now. And so I, 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 this might be self-serving, but I'm already salty that the fact that we lost visceral games over this kind of uh, game that never end up happening. So I'm sure there was other various reasons, but just that alone is just, you know, Oh, no, but what if what if I also tell you that uh, Respawn Entertainment that was bought up by uh, EA a little while ago that made Ooh. Titanfall 1 and Titanfall 2 where Titanfall 2 was pushed to release earlier uh, than they should have not that it was an incomplete game but it uh, and this is highly speculation mind you and before we get yeah, lost it where it was released uh, alongside Battlefield 1 in order to tank its sales so that they'd lose stock so that EA could buy them and now uh, they're just sitting there twiddling their thumbs and EA is like right, listen I know you're working on Titanfall 3 but we're gonna make you work on this other Star Wars game right now so that we can get them out by the end of the year and to me this sounds just like a rushed development process of a publisher that wants more money it's it's suspicious as all fuck and it, <laughs> it's really grimy just you know the way we're painting the picture it's gonna naturally sound grimy grimy but uh just like the more you think about it the more it's like okay cool we're uh, big company wants bigger money it's like you know man shouts yep. at cloud in sky it's like okay cool that's all i'm getting out of this i'm like the the flicker in my eyes uh the the life in them is starting to go gray at this point it's like whatever i, I don't even care anymore yeah. nick it's ea yeah 100 percent. i am very much biased but i my bias comes from the facts um and so anything that i report or at least talk about for the most part i hope unless i make a mistake and then i'll make a retraction but i haven't made a mistake yet um or at least not long term uh knock on wood uh uh, I'm, I'm losing track of this, but I will say this. I predict that Titanfall 3 will not happen, and I predict that something's going to happen to Respawn that we're not going to like by the end of the year. I can see that. I can see that. I, uh, I feel like that's a fair prediction. I agree. I don't think Titanfall 3 is going to happen. Which breaks my heart, because Titanfall 2 was fucking fantastic. I love that game. I also think that uh, Star Wars Battlefront 3 is going to get... It's gonna get scrapped and not to like completely gone, but it's gonna get like bare bones stuff, like bare minimum. It's like we're not gonna give you any of the fancy like campaign or story missions or anything like that. You're just you're gonna get exactly yeah. what you expect in your online thing. Almost a la uh was it Call of Duty that just came out? Was it, I'm trying to remember if it was Call of Duty or Battlefield that just completely scrapped out the uh single player campaign just a hundred percent. Uh that was Call of Duty. Call of Duty, okay. I feel yeah. like they're gonna do something like that just even further, just Make a bare bones. We're going to give you five different play styles. Uh, and one of them's going to drop 100 stormtroopers from the sky. And that's pretty much going to be it. Also, um, I'm surprised you didn't put uh, Epic into the. Oh, Epic. Is Epic really grimy? So I guess they wouldn't earn that uh, number five place in terms of scumbag. No, Epic. No, Epic that, I've not seen them do anything shady. I just question their choices when it comes to balancing their game. But beyond that, like they have their Epic Store, which gives back more to the developers, which I think is a good thing, especially for indie developers who already get shafted by Steam, by yeah. Steam taking about 20, 25. I can't remember the exact number, but a large chunk of their earnings when they do so much work in comparison to a lot of the uh, AAA titles that have, you know, at least 100 people working on this stuff it's almost like we're begrudgingly recognizing that they're doing good things 
I mean, no, I've, I've never had any problems with Epic. They put out one of my favorite franchises ever, Gears of War. And Fortnite, I, I, I feel like they treat, I treat it as its own identity. Their marketing team is fantastic. Uh, they did a good job at some aspects of the game. It's just I don't like the game. But that, there's nothing scummy about Epic. I've not felt anything shady. Uh, Epic done anything shady, uh, doing anything shady. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. Uh, one more point I did want to make in regards to EA. Um the the Disney uh, the the Star Wars contract lasts till about I believe the number that I saw somewhere the year that I saw was twenty twenty three, and so I I feel like it's a waiting game for Star Wars fans now, especially the ones who loved uh, I think it was Knights of the Old Republic that was that's one of the most revered Star Wars game. Yes. Um, and so it's it's really just a waiting game now, so that so that Disney uh, or whoever whoever owns the rights for the video games gets full control back um because uh, let's let's assume it is disney uh the amount of money these games are likely bringing in disney is not going to be too upset about what's happening i feel like because disney is known to change copyright laws that suit them when they feel like it that is true and uh disney maybe not quite like uh the level of video game companies also like money so they're yeah. probably getting so much money in different directions especially with the star Wars license that they're maybe they're willing to you know let a couple of things slide yeah. as long as it suits them in the long run so i could totally see that happening so uh, moving on from uh, EA, we we have uh, our last news article, and this this one's this one's a bit of a rough one. Uh, Tyler, do you want to do you want to lead us off into it? It's interesting. Uh, the uh, the company Gearbox, uh, the, the lawyer now ex lawyer Wade Callender, the CEO Randy Pitchford. I'm gonna give you three words to remember, folks. Uh, Callender, aka the uh, very vengeful lawyer. You got Pitchford, the uh, corrupt CEO of the company, and then, of course, the company known as Gearbox. Now, Gearbox has been working on a lot of games. Uh, the most notable one recently, I believe, was Borderlands uh, 3. Is that right? Oh, no, we, we, we don't know if Borderlands 3 is even happening. Nobody's confirmed anything, but they definitely ported it to something else recently. Oh, ooh. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. And also, uh, like, I know my voice sounded a little sarcastic there. They, they haven't confirmed anything but Borderlands 3. We're all hoping that they are working on Borderlands 3, but we don't know what's going to happen now after all of this. So previously, and we didn't talk about this personally, uh, Gearbox had uh, slapped the lawyer calendar with uh, a $300,000 lawsuit. Uh, apparently, the company lent him a bunch of money. He was not paying it back. There's a bunch of other things that he was kind of do that seemed kind of shady. And so he got hit with that. Uh, in this article, the lawyer is now sending back a $12 million shout out saying, hey, you screwed up and you took money that did not belong to you. And uh, it's, it's he's filing a lawsuit. It's not saying specifically for how much, but the, the main concern is over a $12 million bonus that came from uh, it came from I'm trying to remember. Uh, I think it was take two uh, specifically. But instead of going to the company uh, Gearbox, they actually went to the CEO Pitchford, who decided to pocket it all for himself and his wife. And, I believe. Uh, um, I believe what you're talking about is it, it's known as a, there's a word for it. I believe it's called uh, embezzlement. Yes. Uh, uh, other people call it an executive bonus, but <laughs> call it whatever you want. So the lawyer that was in charge of Gearbox at the time was mighty pissed because twelve million dollars that didn't go to any of the developers or himself, or anybody a thousand staff beyond the CEO. And, you know, to some extent, it almost sounds rightfully so. If Take-Two is giving the, you know, the company a bunch of money, the CEO should obviously get a good cut of it, but, you know, 
even American CEO uh, gets like, I think 60 to 80% of the wages and the rest gets trickled down to the employees. They did not see a penny. It was, you know, maybe a couple of pat in the backs and good, you know, good jobs and all that stuff. And it c- continues a little bit worse. Uh, Mr. Calendar, the lawyer here, wants to uh, throw salt to the wound and, and fuel to the fire. He, he goes on a little bit further beyond this secret $12 million bonus deal. Uh, this uh, is where it gets a little heavy. This is where uh, things get kind of fishy because it sounds like he's just throwing shade like a motherfucker. We don't even know if this is real shade. So mind you, people who are listening to this, uh, the accusations by the lawyer uh, may be even unfounded. It might just be a very angry lawyer that wanted part of the $12 million pie. Uh, or it could be 100% true. We don't know. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the fact of the matter is there was a USB drive. Just a little, you know, cute little USB drive. Uh, what was on it, Nick? Um, the, the, there were quite a few things on it. Uh, there were a lot of uh, corporate documents uh, in relation to Gearbox. It's a lot of sensitive uh, things, uh, you know, corporate-wise for Gearbox. A lot of their deals with, uh, I believe it says here, 2K, Sega, Sony, Microsoft, and others. But there was something else. There was a lot of personal doc, personal documents also of uh i would fucking hope not it's i would fucking hope that it's not company documents they were personal collections of underage pornography uh this no. is this is coming to us from an article by mcv written by vicky blake uh yeah tyler uh okay so pitchford aka ceo randy pitchford apparently had uh lost a usb stick that had a shit ton of sensitive information as well as underage pornography. Now, later in this article, there was a clarification that kind of puts it into more gray ground, where it's like uh, the the pornography was like just turned eighteen, which is legal in most U.S. states and whatnot. So, uh, calling it underage pornography versus just barely legal—I mean, that is a fine line that will you know put you off the sex offender list. So, right, right. They worded this uh, especially by the lawyer. It just sounds purely malicious, honestly. We'll, we'll, we'll go into the uh, ethical and moral uh, discussion in a little bit, but yeah, no, I agree. Like, it have just been the way he phrased it was just to like literally light a fire and just fucking throw him under the bus even further. Um, some twelve million dollars, and also the CEO had a just turned eighteen Daisy Does Dallas video on this little fork <laughs> USB drive alongside every single company file that you could think of that every other company should not have a look at alongside secret information of multiple other companies on this little thumb drive that got picked up by a kid he, some kid from uh, i guess the mid evil times which i'm guessing is like a, a newspaper company i don't even know at this point but apparently so, the here's my question like it's, uh, let's let's assume let's make the assumption that sure this uh the 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 girl in question was 18 so she was of legal age let's yeah, let's assume that so let's assume that um you know he he downloaded this or he paid for it he he obtained this in some legal way let's make that assumption he could have pirated it because this could go in a completely different direction <laughs> let's assume that he made uh, uh obtained it in a legal way why okay. the fuck do you have pornography mixed in with sensitive company documents are you asking me personally or uh, professionally? Because I have different responses to this. Oh, okay. I want to know. Okay. Please tell me, detail your uh, different responses. Okay. So if I got a bunch of sensitive information that can stress a guy out and you can't share it to the world or the internet or anything, you got it on a closed uh, circuit laptop. 
you can't put anything on the laptop and so you're looking at these numbers trying to figure out what's going on here and it's like you know i do have that one video i have of daisy does dallas where she just turned 18 oh let me stress out before i start looking at the numbers with uh ea over here or something like that and boom right there now professionally i have no fucking idea they're, they're <laughs> like or, just carry carry a second flash drive theory third theory here the fucking kid that took the flash drive put it on there as an lol joke and then when they recovered it they saw it and like (laughs) the lawyer was like oh this this was totally a ceo get your uh get your uh tinfoil hats out folks i I know uh, oh oh, come on aluminum thank you very much (laughs) but that's not but that's an interesting theory too that could very much be the case because everything that we know so far is is very is is very much speculation in regards to the pornography accusations uh but as far as we do know i believe the uh 12 million has been confirmed yes uh everything else in regards to stuff going missing the pornography and all that stuff naturally uh gearbox's current lawyers or whoever is saying you're full of shit evil lawyer a person that you know owes us three hundred thousand. you're just trying to throw you know throw us our name through the mud and all that stuff you leave pitch Ford alone and uh honestly it, it just sounds like uh somebody uh wanted their cake and they made sure they eat the shit out of it well all i can say is that i hope i hope that doesn't affect uh gearbox as a company too much because i, I really there, there's so many people out there who are very much excited for borderlands 3 and i would hate to see people's dreams get ruined because of some ceo's questionable life choices i i totally understand at the very end i'd like to say that pitchford did uh the ceo responded to the accusations personally and of course what is the most personal way of reaching out to everybody than by you know posting it on twitter obviously we, we all know twitter is the go-to uh forum for posting personal messages because the president of the united states uses twitter I mean, that is their main medium at this point. Who needs Slack to tweet to everybody? Uh, Pitchfork did say via Twitter, the attacks made my former friend and colleague, or that uh, my former friend and colleague have, has no basis in reality or law. He's simply trying to shake me down for money. We will win. But because lawsuits are pending, I can't comment as much as I'd like. I am shocked by his lies. Thank for your love and support. He further continues and says, as a father, I find crimes against children to be especially repugnant. Now, again, I'd like to point out that uh, illegality here, whatever. It is very painful that a former friend and colleague would lie to try to associate me with such vile behavior in his own greedy pursuit of money. As the day progresses, I am discovering who my friends are. Thank you for your love and support. I am just going to try to focus on my work and trust that truth and justice will prevail with the courts. And so... It sounds like Pitchford has no fucking idea what happened there, what he's talking about, uh, why somebody... I mean, it's kind of embarrassing enough that he lost a USB drive full of that kind of information. Yeah, it might even yeah. be outdated. We have no idea. But to supposedly have Dally does Dallas... Or sorry, Daisy does Dallas. You know, sorry, I'm making up cities and names at this point. Uh, <laughs> but no, like, um, you know, innocent until proven guilty. I'm very much uh, b- a believer of that. But also, the, these kinds of accusations are enough to um, harm uh, Gearbox's stock and possibly put a damper on development. And I hope that doesn't happen. At the end of the day, I hope nobody has to lose jobs over one CEO slip-ups if he does turn out to be proven guilty of whatever these accusations are. If he, you know, if... Yeah, no, we'll just have to wait and see. We just needed to talk about it. I do have one final question in regards to this article. All right. 
if this does go to the courts, do you think Gearbox uh, subpoenas Daisy from Daisy Does Dallas (laughs) to confirm whether or not she was 18 at the time of the filming? Um, I believe if it actually goes to court and if the lawyers work hard enough and they find any plausible evidence that he's actually guilty, I feel like Gearbox would, would abandon him to save their save their own face, so it wouldn't matter at that point. Oh, man, that's vicious. But, okay, fair enough. Uh, uh, Daisy from Dallas, or whatever your real name, or from <laughs> question, I don't know how you'd know what, if you were on that USB drive or not, but please come forward tell us the truth we need to understand <laughs> uh yes we're very uh, we're very uh, appreciative of any kind of exclusives that we get here so yeah. you know reach out to us you can find us at uh, casualmasterquest at gmail.com or on our twitter at masterquest pod early shout outs all right so we're gonna move on uh, lighten things up a little bit <laughs> um topic of the show today uh and i wrote this little ditty here not not a little ditty but a little line here everyone was so concerned as to whether or not uh, a ditty is like a little, like a like a little jingle, but then I realize it's not like a jingle. It's it's you know it's just a just a line. Um, Second, we're so con- <laughs> we're so concerned as to whether we can or cannot. Nobody stopped to ask if we could. We're gonna talk about some some questionable choices uh, of video game franchises being turned into movies, and no. some that we'd be excited for. After the uh, the the infamous uh, Super Mario Brothers movie that uh, both. You know, I'd like to say uh, I got introduced to that by my best friend, Brandon. And uh, man, what a time to be alive to have a movie like that coming into ex- existence. And there's been a lot of questionable choices where, like, have people actually you know played the games to understand what the story of the movie should be about? Like, uh, for example, never. I can guarantee you that a lot of the directors and writers for these uh, movies have no idea what the fuck they're doing because they've not played a lot of these things. Admittedly, I don't remember what the name of the director for the Resident Evil uh, movie franchise is. Uh, he pretty much like looked at the very beginning, got you know five key words: Resident Evil, uh, uh, Umbrella, and the, you know zombies. And, right and, now, let's uh, just slap on a hot, hot woman on, on top of it, and then we'll make everything better. And <laughs> bless Mila uh, for you know hopping <laughs> back, gonna make an appearance later. And after that, even the director admitted. Uh, he had no idea what the story of it was <laughs> supposed to be out, and so he just went to make his own storyline. And it's just hilarious that it went that way. Uh, Paul Anderson is uh, his name. Paul Anderson, who's actually his wife is now uh, Mila. Is it Jovovich? Jokovich? Jovovich? Jovovich? Yeah. Uh, they are now married. I think they were just together, kind of, sorta, like in the beginning mm-hmm, of the movie. Mm-hmm. By the end, uh, they like hooked up so good on them so uh before we get started here a comment from my end uh warcraft movie could have been better uh so i'm not a i'm not a warcraft person whatsoever but i did but i did thoroughly enjoy like i was entertained start to finish throughout that movie um so i'm I'm curious as to your take i'm curious as to your take on whether that could have been better or it was like what was your take on that movie uh, when it comes to the Warcraft movie, my main concern is when people think of World of Warcraft, uh, they think of the later expansions. They don't think of the very original vanilla. Mm-hmm. At least the people mm-hmm. I talked with. I mean, this was a movie that was catered out to the super, uh, you know, way back when crowd. And I think they picked a a timeline that they could have they could have chosen better. I mean, yeah. it's a good 
good point in the movie it, you know it, it delivers a good plot but they could have just as easily focused on for example the story of uh arthas and uh you know wrath of the lich king and all that stuff that to me would have been a lot more interesting of a movie or uh, even cataclysm cataclysm was kind of weird but that would have worked too or mr pandaria the uh focus on pandaria you know traveling and facing off against uh the conflict between the horde and the alliance which right. is much more prevalent and developed at that time now, uh, now this is coming from somebody who's extensively played world of warcraft and war- been a big part of the warcraft franchise uh how does the story that they put out in the movie uh fit for somebody who's who's got no experience or whatever no knowledge was that uh are, are these other storylines easier to digest or are they a lot more uh, complicated or was this good enough for a beginner well if if you for example played next to nothing of world of warcraft and you went to saw this movie uh first i as a person who's you know a spent i would say well over 100 hours into the lore of world of warcraft like i i looked into a lot of shit like yeah, i wanted yeah. to everything uh since you have to accept that they picked this point in the story and chose to narrate it i would say that they did a fantastic job uh a lot of people are like oh who's this person oh who's this person like a lot of people didn't understand uh the importance of guldan uh mm-hmm. the warlock looking orc motherfucker mm-hmm they see spikes coming out of his back he has evil looking eyes hey he's evil that's all he need to know he's he's plotting he's devious and also with uh Medivh. Medivh, uh in the beginning you know he looks all good he's all friendly but by the end of the movie he becomes possessed by the spirit of uh Sargeras and he turns you know evil of sorts and so you have that huge fight in Medivh's uh tower there and it's like oh he's doing weird things he must be evil now and it's like okay that's all you need to know but then there's certain conflict and points where people are trying to understand uh what side of the story should i you know respect and enjoy but i feel like they explain it in such a way that they didn't want to burden everything with like uh details like a son of a bitch they kept it simple in such a way that everybody could enjoy it and the way that they animated everything was so well that honestly i have I can't complain against that. I right. watched it. Yeah, I, because it is a movie, they, you have a limited amount of time to convey a certain amount of information. So I can understand them needing to skip out in certain par, uh, plot points or certain, you know, background building uh, information, which is why, like, a lot of the Harry Potter movies um, are kind of like, well, I missed out a lot of the stuff from the book, but I get it because they, they have a time constraint. Um, uh, also, a lot of the Warcraft movie was shot in uh, uh, Vancouver, BC. Um, by the way, FYI, yeah, uh, they do a lot of filming here. They do a lot of the dead, uh, Deadpool filming, majority of it here. Nice, yeah. nice. So, so we're just gonna move through uh, this list a little bit, uh, see which ones that stick out to us. Obviously, they list uh, Detective Pikachu that's coming out later this year. Um, Angry Birds uh, two, uh, the the movie is getting a sequel. I have no interest. Fuck. <laughs> Uh, whatsoever. I haven't even seen the first one, uh, so we're just going to skip that. Uh, this one I feel like would be of interest. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog is supposedly getting a movie later this year in November. And yeah. there's a little poster here. Yes. Now, I'm, I'm going to drag this so uh, Stream will be able to see it, and I implore anybody who's listening to Google at some point the Sonic the Hedgehog movie poster, um, because in all honesty, this is a little terrifying. Are you, are you talking about the uh, the movie poster where everybody is kind of or the Sonic is blacked out a little bit, so it just sees yeah, the yeah, yeah. It's a it's a little terrifying. It there's actually a worse uh, trailer picture that uh, it shows Sonic hanging over what looks like uh, the Golden Gate Bridge of some sort, of, or just a, a large ex- extensive uh, bridge, and where you just see this mm. long, super long leg and all that stuff, and you know it's hard being this fast or some bullshit phrase like this. 
but yeah uh it is weird because it honestly looks like a humanoid character with oversized shoes and a large foam head right now and obviously it's gonna be all uh cgi'd but yeah it's gonna be weird it's gonna be interesting we'll see it it, it might just lead to a, a rampant increase in uh, furries for all we know and lord knows we don't need any more of them but I'm um, to see what amy looks like now um, uh, or Eggman? What? What's Eggman? Is Eggman gonna uh, be? I I I don't even want to find out. If I'm being honest, <laughs> he's gonna be like uh, on an IV and stuff like that because he's so morbidly obese in his machine <laughs> that he he can't even leave it. But it, it turns out he's gonna rip his IVs out at the end of the movie, and he's gonna have these giant rooster legs because he's been on perma bike status down there, and he's been powering his machine by pure mechanics. <laughs> And so he's going to be truly faster than Sonic, but he's going to be so top-heavy that he's just going to smash <laughs> us. <laughs> um, so moving on, we've got The Witcher 3. Uh, sorry, The Witcher. Sorry, The Witcher is getting a uh, Netflix series uh, later this year with Henry Cavill leading as uh, Geralt of uh, Rivia. Now, Mike, now I'm excited for this. Uh, they included a little clip that came out in October of last year, at the end of October. Um, and this was more of a... Sorry? On Halloween. On Halloween, yes, and this is more of a a screen test to see what Henry Cavill looks like as Geralt. So they missed out a lot of the features like the scars and the colored lenses, and it's really just him with his silver hair and doing a lighting test. And it looks pretty good at this stage. Right now, it looks like a mid to high end cosplay. And given a lot of the other makeup that they're going to end up do, uh, putting on, I'm I'm confident for this because I believe uh, I really like Henry Cavill. I really enjoyed him in uh, the last Mission Impossible movie, and he did The Man from Uncle. I think his role in in the uh, DC movies is kind of uh, performances have been underwhelming. It does have a lot of promise to it, specifically. Uh comparing it with uh game of thrones maybe not one-to-one -one, obviously but if they were to go to that kind of style i'm kind of concerned with the amount of uh episodes they'd be able to do because just the whole mythical uh setting like that it's going to require a lot of explanation and story behind it to get a level of story like the witcher you know the witcher 3 took hundreds of hours just to complete so True. trying to complete that into a 12 to 24 live action episode it's going to be a big undertaking. So, it's so, so they've decided to go uh, based on the books, and they're going way, way back. Uh, so, this is uh, this is going to be a portrayal of young uh, Geralt. Um, as so, I'm interested to see. I'm specifically interested to see who the actors are going to be for Yennefer, um, because oh my, mm. look at you, 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 mm -mm. you uh, and smiley when you say that, Nick. What's going on here? I I'm excited to see who's going to be portraying Yennefer. I don't know if they actually confirmed. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. Uh, moving on, we've got Monster Hunter, huh? Coming yeah. out uh, in 2020, and uh, has a uh, a very familiar face of what I was talking about. Uh, let me let me try to pronounce her name again. Mila uh, Jovovich, I yeah, believe. There you go. Okay, cool. Uh, apparently, uh, she's gonna dress completely like she did as Alice from Resident Evil, and get herself transposed into the new uh, Monster Hunter movie. So that's interesting. Um, funnily enough, and I didn't know this uh, per se. Uh, honestly, I didn't know Resident Evil was a Capcom game, and so it kind of makes sense why she's representing. Uh, she's in the Monster Hunter movie again because Monster Hunter is also owned by Capcom, and they're like, "Well, we already have a relationship with her. We like her, uh, and so they're just gonna throw her back in." 
Paul Anderson, we need you. Form us the angstiest teens we can find and put them in our new Capcom movie. That's when he played the uh, Power Rangers. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna skip over the Minecraft movie bit because I don't feel like that's anything super newsworthy to talk about. Like they already did a Minecraft kind of series or ep- interactive episode on Netflix, I believe. Um, and it's only in speculation. They say that they might have. Uh, talked uh, or got somebody called uh peter Sullet, who was in charge of uh nick and Nora's infinite playlist to uh potentially take this movie on but honestly if you want a good minecraft movie just go to the telltale games uh, yeah I, pretty I, much or or just go find some of the bigger minecraft content creators i'm sure there's somebody making movies in the, in the uh system itself so yeah uh, look at what happened with red versus blue sorry i said or just play minecraft just have fun or just play minecraft make your own story make your own movie hell yeah um We've got Doom on the list, as uh, and this is more of a speculation right now, or like more in, in a project in the works. Uh, there was a Doom movie in 2005 starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, what what would you think about a new Doom movie? I don't know what the hell they do at this point. Uh, yeah. It, would it just be your simple run and gun movie where you're just being badass at all times? Because I feel like uh, with how little, and, and you know, I say story here on quotations that Doom has. I don't know how you could do it in such a way to uh, keep up interest. I mean, uh, I, I just don't see it. That's fair. I, I feel like you'd have to sit and think about why you're making the movie first. So if we think about uh, movies such as Pacific Rim, the, stor- uh, the story there is very simple, very much to the point. Uh, you've got these big monsters invading. You've got two pilots pil- piloting a big fucking robot fight. So it's it's a simple enough story that it keeps you engaged. What hooks you in, though, is the action. And so I feel like if they understand that and realize that this is an action movie and make sure that they have a solid, simple story, it doesn't have to be fantastic, but it's a solid story, um, it, I feel like that'd be enough. I didn't see the 2005 movie, and I feel like if they were to base uh, the movie off the game that came out in 2016, it would be a lot better. I mean, right now, Universal Studios, apparently the company that's going to be in charge of this, it, it it's suggesting that Amy Manson is going to be the starring role of uh, Doom Guy, or I would Doom I would Guy. like to see that. What, that what would... if this is the start of um, um, a new a new like alien series, and we have a new uh, action queen? Have you seen the movie uh, Venom? Yes. Have you? Do you remember the one section where uh, the the female protagonist uh, gets the uh, the? Yes, yes, it? yes. Uh, the symbiote. Yes, the the rule sixty three Venom for a moment there. Uh, it just that kind of like power play being uh, subverted like that would be so interesting that I would love to see it done in different ways. This would be an interesting way of, you know, seeing that happen. Uh, instead mm-hmm. of having a super male power fantasy, let's give a nice empowered woman to do something like this as, you know, just as badass. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that would be interesting. Uh, and now, so I was watching a uh, sidetrack a little bit. I started watching the new season of The Punisher. That's on Netflix. Um mm. And the first episode has uh, Frank Castle fight against a bunch of different assassins, and a couple of them are women. And to, <laughs> to see some women get the shit kicked out of them on a completely equal setting because he doesn't give a fuck and he's defending another person was was something else. It was it was refreshing. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? Because you'll often see where it's like, oh, I'm getting attacked by a woman, but I'm gonna like knock you out or like restrain you because i don't want to hurt you he doesn't give a fuck he goes and stabs one in the chest it was fantastic <laughs> nice as, as batman would say justice doesn't discriminate i don't does he actually say that i, I do believe he does he says that at some point in one of the comics 
Uh, I'm Batman is another thing he says. So, I mean, it just seems like it'd be obvious. Uh, any other ones that you want to give a shout out to? Um, so going down the list, we've got Call of Duty. It's probably going to be a standard American war movie. We don't need to go into that. Tom Clancy's Division, another presidential, like, um, what do you call it? Post-apocalyptic movie. It's kind of been done before. Sleeping Dogs. Uh, this is not a game that I'm familiar with, or at least, yeah. Do you know anything about this game? Uh, yeah, Sleeping Dogs. Uh, it was a, uh, it felt like infamous to me, except instead of having superpowers, uh, the focus of the game was to, uh, Wait, I might be getting mixed up with Watch Dogs now. Now I'm I'll, I'm heavily concerned. I thought Sleeping Dogs was the game where you would hack uh, different electronics. And no, no, that's Watch Dogs. I oh. believe they might have come out at the same year too. So it says your Sleeping Dogs came out in 2012. Uh, Watch Dogs came out in 2014. So around the same time. So it kind of makes sense. Okay, so then I would say that Sleeping Dogs would probably be something similar to that of Yakuza. Just uh, okay. a game uh set off in uh what was it somewhere oh in hong kong yeah so uh, well, like that. your standard kind of like martial arts action movie i would like to see that i would like to see uh our generations or a new generation of jackie chan um kind of like uh uh what do you call it actors because Man, jackie you from uh yakuza now in a game or uh, a movie like this Th- that would be interesting to me i i have no idea whether or not you know, Sleeping Dogs would be an interesting movie, but I guess we'll find out, won't we? Um, next up, we've got uh, Devil May Cry is getting a Netflix series, uh, apparently. Um, but this is not a live-action uh, adaptation. Oh, boy, do I see this right? Executive producer Ari Shankar, the guy who worked on fucking Castlevania. This is a 2D uh, adaptation of Devils May Cry, so I think this is probably the one with the most promise on our list. Nice, hell yeah! Capcom has been doing some fucking work. Look at them. Wow, yeah. I, I mean, the Castlevania on the Netflix series was just like top of the game, like wonderful good. And so and this, the that, oh, uh, this is an article from Business Insider, and at the bottom of this section it says. Uh, Shankar has hinted that the two series could cross over in some way, and in this case, he's referring to Castlevania and Devil May Cry. It is throwing me off because, uh, you know, Capcom and Devil May Cry is a completely different, uh, you know, field field of uh, video games compared to uh, Konami and uh, Castlevania. So it's I, I don't know what got the uh, the the ability or the chance to make uh, something so similar to that. Even though, like a lot of people would think that they sound familiar in the right realm of uh, you know, I guess right, fantasy, like uh, stuff with the fascination, the hell, and all this stuff. It's just interesting that they would uh, be able to pull something like that off. That's awesome, though. I'm, I'm glad that they were able to do something like that. They also uh, suggested that the two series could potentially cross over in some way. It would be interesting to see Dante come over and hang out with, uh, uh, oh crap, what is his name? Belmont. Belmont. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That would be fun. Uh, um, and then moving on, I'm going to skip over the next few, uh, just because there's three at the bottom of the list that I think are the most uh, interesting. Uh, first up, we're going to talk about Halo. Um, yeah. Now, this has been... This has been a very long-term speculation, very long-term thing going around. I can't remember which E3 it was. I want to say it was 2015 or 2014, one of those years, where uh, during, uh, uh, I believe they were announcing one of the Halo games. It might have been Halo 5. And there was a clip or a short period where 
they had a video from video message from steven spielberg saying uh coming in 20 uh no they didn't specify date he's like i'm gonna be the executive producer for a halo live action tv series oh, 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 oh. oh um man. but that was a long time ago that was a very long time ago so we're not actually sure we've not heard any anything but uh this article outlines that it's probably coming to us in 2020 and we'll probably get more in uh, details when uh, we get more details on halo infinite um that's supposedly that's according to this article right there halo infinite is supposed to come out this year apparently but we'll I see about that i don't think that's true i could be reading this wrong but i don't think that's true i mean that's a lot of information for a uh a not major video game company uh website or news website because so, if anything uh, halo is going to come out when the new gen- uh, consoles drop uh the new generation of consoles and that's probably going to be next year because that's also when cyberpunk is going to come out and it's going to be a good year of games next year i think we're going to see a few interesting games but it's going to be a bit of a lull anyways going back to the topic if i could just uh provide yes, a little bit more information sure. i'm guessing what the the article writer did what i what i just did and typed halo infinite release date and then pulled from uh, pc gamer which uh they it's a good chance that the initial release date was November of this year, but that's just speculation. So there's ah, no okay, no actual set information. But okay, this article was like, we're 100, we're certain. <laughs> it's like okay, fine, whatever. Um, next up, we've got Mega Man on the list. That would be interesting. I really feel like that we got something similar to this. Uh, I'm not sure if Mega Man ever got an anime or not, but uh, the closest thing I feel like we got into this was uh, Astro Boy. Obviously not really. Uh, I remember Astro Boy. But, you know, it was a similar style and all that stuff. uh, And uh, there was, in fact, a a couple of animes for Mega Man. So do we want a movie out of this? Uh, So this is a uh, live adaptation that's reportedly happening, uh, written... um, Oh, let's see. Uh, optioned by 20th Century Fox, written and directed by Henry Joost and Ariel Shulman. This sounds dangerous. This uh, this sounds like uh, the uh, Dragon Ball Z uh, live action movie dangerous kind of thing. It's like, oh, no. Though I, I don't know how old this uh, report is. 20th Century Fox, as you know, went through massive overhaul recently. I don't know if the deal's been finalized yet or not, but a majority of its assets have been acquired by Disney. Yes, that is also very true. You're right. So, so if it is a Disney-made movie, maybe the prospects are a little bit higher? Maybe. Maybe it's still scary. <laughs> just the words live action in general. It's just like when it comes to Mega Man, just keep a CGI or cartoon. I mean, we we got the ad, uh, anime. Uh, I think it's called Mega Man NT Warrior or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just leave it alone. Just leave it be. But there's gonna, there's going to be somebody out there that probably says Mega Mega Man movie. Uh, do we need it? No. No. Want it? Probably. Maybe. People want money. That's all that matters. So yep. pay for it. And people will. If, if if the executor in charge of this project hears enough drunk college students under an umbrella drinking, you know, uh, mimosas or something, saying, "You know, it'd be cool, Mega Man movie." He's like, "I have my vindication. Jump the millions." Common in my end says, um, "Like they, there's reportedly rumors about people wanting to make a live action Naruto." Um, they've just been all uh, cease and desist by a bunch (laughs) no I mean it would be it would be a Japanese movie for sure Um, 
but uh, like think of what happened to live action Death Note, live action Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, Dragon Ball Z live action. Uh, no, live action Dragon Ball Z. Let's not even talk about that. I'm not a Dragon Ball Z <laughs> fan by any means, but that was a garbage movie. Uh, it start was, to finish. I uh, yeah. Mm. Naruto has always been a cartoon, and the closest we got in the 3D was the cell shading with Naruto shipping in Ult- or sorry, Ultima Ninja Storm. Yep. Uh, alongside a couple other games, but the idea of trying to put it into a realistic lifestyle, it's just not worth it. It feels like it's almost painful at this point. Yep. But people what are do we know? And, and people are still going to pay money for it, exactly. Um, now, this last last movie on our list, um, uh, it is said that uh, Shigeru Miyamoto will also serve as co-producer for a Super Mario Bros. live-action adaptation. Highly suspicious, professional doubt, other, are <laughs> uh, you know, cool terms I could say that say scary. Oh, my, my apologies, uh, not alive. I, I read this wrong. An animated Super Mario Bros. movie. Uh, oh, gosh, happy, excited, good, happy. <laughs> in January 2018, Nintendo announced that it would partner with Illumination, the studio behind Despicable Me and Minions, to create an animated Super Mario Bros. movie. Now the question is: When they say animated, do they mean cartoon animated or CGI animated? Because I'm well, most I'm likely sure. whatever style Despicable Me and Minions are, so CGI. CGI for sure. Okay. And oh. I feel like that would make sense because you know, look at the recent uh, Super Mario, any kind of Mario games. So I don't feel like it'd be too far out of place. Mario had the work with fucking Rabbids last year. Do you do you think he's gonna fucking see Minions coming up soon? I hope not. I, I I think that's too too much of an ambitious crossover that I don't think Nintendo would allow. I also want to point out that this announcement by Nintendo was over a year ago in January of 2018, so we have not heard any further news about this. So the chances of this coming to fruition without any Minimal. ever... Yeah, very unlikely. But maybe they had a talk, you know, at a table and had lunch one day and then just kind of, you know, left it there. It's, you know, as an open offer, we'll see what happens kind of thing. So, I mean, this whole article is uh, just a basket full of possibilities. Some of them more likely than the, the rest of them. Some Very of them scarier, for sure. Very scary. Um, but that's uh, that's pretty much uh, all the movies we had. Um, and Tyler, do you want to tell us what's uh, what kind of games we're expected to see uh, in the next week? Oh, yeah. We got uh, three big titles coming up. The first one is <laughs> Sinran Kagura Burst RE semicolon Newell. So... Sinran Kagura Burst Renewal. Haha, ha, it looks like Japan has won over us again. They're so smart. Coming out January 26th <laughs> for the PS4 and PC. It's technically a remake. It's uh, on the 22nd, which is a Tuesday. Uh, on the 24th, which is going to be Thursday, is Smite. Smite has already been out on uh, most all their consoles, most notably the PC, but it's coming out for the Switch this Thursday. And lastly, and this is probably the biggest one, on Friday, January 25th, we're going to have Resident Evil 2, the remake for it, coming out on January 20... Oh, I already said that. For the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Now, this is going to be the full-on remake, and it is, in fact, not going to cost, you know, $20, $30 like a lot of other remakes have been coming out. This is going to be a full $60 game. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's... uh, If they remake a game from scratch... Uh, and they post it out on you know the modern day systems. Do you think it should be sixty dollars? Um, if they've done significant work, sure. I, you know what? You know what? At this point, it doesn't matter because they're going to do it anyways. I don't believe games should be sixty dollars, especially with the price disparity between physical and digital games. I feel like digital games should be at least fifteen dollars cheaper. 
um, because you don't have to ship them, pack them, uh, buy any kind of like plastic or materials for these games, but they're all the same price. So my opinion here is 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 very it doesn't matter. <laughs> I guess uh, the only thing I can think of uh, originally was uh, the Shadow of the Colossus remake, the HD remake. Uh, they maybe not worked out completely from the ground up, but something damn close to it. And I I don't remember if they put it out for fifty or sixty dollars, but it was still way out there, a lot more than what people would have expected. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. uh, like the Kingdom Hearts remake, I think uh, at the highest was like fifty bucks. So opinions, I guess. But yep, it's uh, sixty bucks if you want to relive the the nightmare of tank controls, the remodeled and improved, hopefully on Resident Evil Two. But uh, man, a couple of games came out this day in history, Nick. Um, just two things. Uh, we've got Halo Force Spartan Ops Season One, Episode Six to Ten, that came out in 2013. Are you familiar with Spartan Ops? No, I have. Is this a fucking mobile game? No. So, uh, uh, it's. It, I can't remember if you had to pay for it. I feel like you had to pay for it. Uh, but think of it as basically a DLC. Uh, that uh, that was rolled out slowly uh, after the launch of Halo Four. Um, okay. And these were these were little episodes, uh, like uh, they call it episodes, but they were more uh, cinematic and story based. But you actually had to play through some of these missions, and they just gave you an insight to uh, some of the events that happened after Halo Four. You're not playing as Master Chief; you were playing as a specific uh, fire team. I think it was Fire Team Delta, Fire Team Crimson, or something. Um, and so it goes through uh, some of the events that happened uh, post Halo Four uh, to sort of uh, give you more. Um, and um, give me more lore as to, into the universe and what's happening. And they set up a few things for Halo 5. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was Halo 4 Spartan Ops Season 1, Episode 6 to 10. Then this is a pretty big game, I think. Not a game that I played, but I feel like a game that we should appreciate. Metroid 2, The Return of Seamus, came out in Japan on this day in 1992. I'm sorry. Could you repeat that title one more time for me? Uh, Metroid 2, Return of Seamus. Is there a joke here? Mm. It, are, we, are we trying to have a laugh here, Nick? Or is this Samus? Uh... Samus. Okay. Samus. I was, did you say Seamus? Uh, is this just maybe a, a regional Samus. thing? No, that's uh, okay. I see that there's no age. Like that's the only thing. That's the only kind of name that makes sense. Sam- Samus okay. doesn't make sense to me as a name. No, that's that's perfectly understandable. Like uh, yeah. Seamus would make sense if it was like S E A M U S or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. No, I, I I didn't see that. You you're correct. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were still like, are you trying to shame no. Samus? It's like, what the, what the fuck? No, I would, I would never. Metroid looks dope as fuck to play, but I just I just would never play it unless there's a new one. Yeah, Metroid 2 uh, Turn of Samus uh, came out this uh, day. <laughs> oh, 16? No, 17 years ago in Japan. Uh, there's uh, another game I'd like to give a shout out to. Sure, with. let's go for it. Uh, came out for the uh, Nintendo DS and over in 2008. This game is now 11 years old. It is, I believe, the second or third game in the series, Advance Wars, Days of Rune, came out uh, this day 11 years ago. Uh, a very popular turn-based uh, battle tactics kind of game, uh, almost uh, similar to Fire Emblem, except it was more uh, machine-based. In, oh, okay. And it, it had a good effect uh, on my life personally. But uh, I'd figure, you know, give a shout out to him. I'm trying to like uh, scout through it real quick here, just to, you know, get a couple of chuckles. Right, man. But uh, you know, as we've as we've seen over the last few weeks, starting in about 1998, uh, over in the United- 1998, Resident Evil Two. Oh, interesting. Oh, Nick, uh, we uh, over. Let's see, 
21 years old. Uh, <laughs> Resident Evil tur- uh, Resident Evil 2 just turned legal drinking age over in the U.S., which would make sense that uh, people would want to celebrate by having a full HD remake coming out in a few days. Yeah, and, and also, you know, by that logic, Randy Pitchford would have all access. What? Um, what? <laughs> oh, 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 boy. What? Um, uh, uh, oh, but, man, that, that's, brutal. that's brutal, man. But, but as we've seen over the last few weeks, starting about mid-December, uh, things tend to slow down in terms of game releases. So these lists will start to get more and more extensive, especially in Feb, because that's when... There's a lot of things that's going to be happening, specifically Anthem, and we'll we'll be talking about Anthem closer to towards its release. And uh, we do have, let's see, it is currently Monday, which is the 21st. Uh, we have one more podcast episode coming up before we do hit the big week that is Kingdom Hearts 3 coming out. Oh, so that's right. That will be my main focus over in the next podcast after this one. But next one, you have me for a little things. Hopefully, I'll get to play a little bit more of uh, some CFEs as well as maybe Persona 5. I do need to find a game that I can play with my wife watching, which might, in fact, be Breath of the Wild. Uh, so I'm hoping to see what we can pick up back here. I did play and beat a lot of games this week. So I think it's time to you know, kick back a little bit on the cooldown, have some fun mm-hmm. talks about other stuff. Or just play a shit ton of Destiny Child because that's been eating up a very good amount of my time and I'm very happy over it. So good, 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 good to hear. Yeah. Uh, but Tyler, do you want to tell people where they could find you otherwise if they wanted to complain or rant? Hell yes. Absolutely. My friends, if you want to just say hello to me and you know, maybe you do, maybe you do. I will actually respond to you. So enjoy yourself. Please take the chance and opportunity. You can find me on Twitter. I am at two times Tyler. All letters, all one word two times Tyler and you can check me out potentially on twitch.tv slash two times Tyler but let's be real I will let you know when that shit goes live and I we can parade with beauty it's currently uh, under the wraps right now just uh just for the moment being however Nick Nick you are the professional go-to streamer of casual master quest where can we find your work hashtag dead streamer by the way but uh you can find me on instagram and twitter at lr warrior 11 or you can find me on my twitch uh at twitch.tv forward slash lr warrior 11 uh you can find us of casual master quest at uh, at master quest pod on twitter or you can email us any questions comments or concerns at casual uh to casual master quest at gmail.com fantastic uh, fantastic any any final words thoughts uh, uh words of wisdom for for our lovely lovely listeners nope but you should try out the uh, 3ds game that they did the remake of uh i tried to return the shamus or return okay. of pardon me I, I don't want to get that wrong okay did you just say shamus yes yes i did okay 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 cool uh thank you very much for listening uh have a good week and don't forget to never stop the grind we'll see you guys later bye bye are you mad at me nick what's going on here about the shameless bit?